This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit www.librivox.org. Washington Square by Henry James. Read for LibriVox by Dawn Murphy in El Segundo, California. Chapter One. During a portion of the first half of the present century, and more particularly during the latter part of it, there flourished and practised in the city of New York a physician who enjoyed perhaps an exceptional share of the consideration which, in the United States, has always been bestowed upon distinguished members of the medical profession. This profession in America has constantly been held in honor, and more successfully than elsewhere has put forward a claim to the epithet of liberal. In a country in which, to play a social part, you must either earn your income or make believe that you earn it, the healing art has appeared in a high degree to combine two recognized sources of credit. It belongs to the realm of the practical which in the United States is a great recommendation, and it is touched by the light of science, a merit appreciated in a community in which the love of knowledge has not always been accompanied by leisure and opportunity. It was an element in Dr. Sloper's reputation that his learning and his skill were very evenly balanced. He was what you might call a scholarly doctor, and yet there was nothing abstract in his remedies. He always ordered you to take something. Though he was felt to be extremely thorough, he was not uncomfortably theoretic. And if he sometimes explained matters rather more minutely than might seem of use to the patient, he never went so far, like some practitioners one had heard of, as to trust to the explanation alone. But he always left behind him an inscrutable prescription. There were some doctors that left the prescription without offering any explanation at all, and he did not belong to that class either, which was, after all, the most vulgar. It will be seen that I am describing a clever man, and this is really the reason why Dr. Sloper had become a local celebrity. At the time at which we are chiefly concerned with him, he was some fifty years of age, and his popularity was at its height. He was very witty, and he passed in the best society of New York for a man of the world, which indeed he was, in a very sufficient degree. I hasten to add, to anticipate possible misconception, that he was not the least of a charlatan. He was a thoroughly honest man, honest in a degree of which he had perhaps lacked the opportunity to give the complete measure, and putting aside the great good nature of the circle in which he practised, which was rather fond of boasting that it possessed the brightest doctor in the country. He daily justified his claim to the talents attributed to him by the popular voice. He was an observer, even a philosopher, and to be bright was so natural to him, and as the popular voice said, came so easily, that he never aimed at mere effect, and had none of the little tricks and pretensions of second-rate reputations. It must be confessed that fortune had favoured him, and that he had found the path to prosperity very soft to his tread. He had married, at the age of twenty-seven, for love, a charming girl, Miss Catherine Harlington, of New York, who, in addition to her charms, had brought him a solid dowry. 
Mrs. Sloper was amiable, graceful, accomplished, elegant, and in 1820 she had been one of the pretty girls of the small but promising capital which clustered about the battery and overlooked the bay, and of which the uppermost boundary was indicated by the grassy waysides of Canal Street. Even at the age of twenty-seven, Austin Sloper had made his mark sufficiently to mitigate the anomaly of his having been chosen among a dozen suitors by a young woman of high fashion, who had ten thousand dollars of income and the most charming eyes in the island of Manhattan. These eyes, and some of their accompaniments, were for about five years a source of extreme satisfaction to the young physician, who was both a devoted and a very happy husband. The fact of his having married a rich woman made no difference in the line he had traced for himself, and he cultivated his profession with as definite a purpose as if he still had no other resources than his fraction of the modest patrimony which, on his father's death, he had shared with his brothers and sisters. This purpose had not been preponderantly to make money, it had been rather to learn something and to do something to learn something interesting and to do something useful this was roughly speaking the programme he had sketched and of which the accident of his wife having an income appeared to him in no degree to modify the validity he was fond of his practice and of exercising a skill of which he was agreeably conscious and it was so patent a truth that if he were not a doctor there was nothing else he could be that a doctor he persisted in being in the best possible conditions. Of course, his easy domestic situation saved him a good deal of drudgery, and his wife's affiliation to the best people brought him a good many of those patients whose symptoms are, if not more interesting in themselves than those of the lower orders, at least more consistently displayed. He desired experience, and in the course of twenty years he got a great deal. It must be added that it came to him in some forms which, whatever might have been their intrinsic value, made it the reverse of welcome. His first child, a little boy of extraordinary promise as the doctor, who was not addicted to easy enthusiasm, firmly believed, died at three years of age, in spite of everything that the mother's tenderness and the father's science could invent to save him. Two years later, Mrs. Sloper gave birth to a second infant, an infant of a sex which rendered the poor child, to the doctor's sense, an inadequate substitute for his lamented firstborn, of whom he had promised himself to make an admirable man. The little girl was a disappointment, but this was not the worst. A week after her birth, the young mother, who, as the phrase is, had been doing well, suddenly betrayed alarming symptoms, and before another week had elapsed, Austin Sloper was a widower. For a man whose trade was to keep people alive, he had certainly done poorly in his own family, and a bright doctor, who within three years loses his wife and his little boy, should perhaps be prepared to see either his skill or his affection impunged. Our friend, however, escaped criticism, that is, he escaped all criticism but his own, which was the most competent and most formidable. He walked under the weight of this very private censure for the rest of his days, and bore forever the scars of the castigation to which the strongest hand he knew had treated him on the night that followed his wife's death. 
The world, which I have said, appreciated him, pitied him too much to be ironical. His misfortune made him more interesting, and even helped him to be the fashion. It was observed that even medical families cannot escape the more insidious forms of disease, and that, after all, Dr. Sloper had lost other patients besides the two I have mentioned, which constituted an honourable precedent. His little girl remained to him, and though she was not what he had desired, he proposed to himself to make the best of her. He had on hand a stock of unexpected authority by which the child, in its early years, profited largely. She had been named, as a matter of course, after her poor mother, and even in her most diminutive babyhood the doctor never called her anything but Catherine. She grew up a very robust and healthy child, and her father, as he looked at her, often said to himself that such as she was, he had at least need have no fear of losing her. I say, such as she was, because to tell the truth, but this is a truth of which I will defer the telling. End of chapter one. This has been a LibriVox recording of Washington Square, a novel by Henry James, read for LibriVox by Don Murphy, in El Segundo, California. January 2007